to Voices of the Belt and Road podcast, brought to you by the Belt and Road Advisory, your professional advisors on all matters concerning the Belt and Road Initiative. Voices of the Belt and Road is our flagship podcast, and with each episode, we'll hear the personal stories of people who are part of the Belt and Road Initiative. The aim of this podcast is to demystify the initiative by interviewing a broad array of people whose lives are impacted day in and day out by the world's largest cross-border trade initiative and infrastructure build-up. On this podcast, in addition to university researchers, think tank experts, and policymakers, you can also hear from business people, workers, and countless others involved in the Belt and Road. You'll hear people tell their own personal stories in their own languages, because at the end of the day, the Belt and Road Initiative is changing people's lives, and we want you to hear it from them. Please enjoy this week's podcast, and thanks for tuning in. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Voices of the Belt and Road podcast, brought to you by the Belt and Road Advisory. This is your host, Ravi Prasad, and today we're very happy to have Dr. Shu Wen Hong with us today. Can you describe yourself, your background, and your research interests? Hello everyone, my name is Shu Wen Hong. I am a deputy researcher at the Russian, Eastern European, and Central Asian section of the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences. My background is in international relations, and I speak Chinese, English, and Russian fluently. I studied abroad at Stanford University for over a year and a half, and have visited more than 20 countries as part of my work. I've recently been conducting some preliminary studies on the impact of the Belt and Road, and I've published a number of pieces. I'm very happy to share some of these preliminary ideas and views with you today. Can you tell us a bit more about the work you're doing on the Belt and Road Initiative with the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences? So the Belt and Road Center at the Chinese Academy of Social Sciences is one of the new Belt and Road Centers that have been recently built up to promote and implement the country's Belt and Road Initiative. Now, one of the national goals is to study, research, understand, promote, and publicize the Belt and Road Initiative. It is our job as researchers to think about how we can best implement some of the associated policies. And in that regard, we've pursued a number of key projects. Firstly, we've held several major conferences. For example, in June 2018, we held a very high-level Belt and Road Dialogue. During that dialogue, ambassadors and representatives from 56 different countries came and spoke. So what we're doing here is really trying to help facilitate communication between people from different countries to promote mutual understanding of the Belt and Road Initiative. So that's our first key objective. Our second key objective is to publish more research on the Belt and Road Initiative. Key to these efforts is our Belt and Road Blue Book. And now we're at our third release of this Blue Book. It's been published at both home and abroad. This Blue Book is our flagship report and has received a lot of readership around the world. Beyond the Blue Book, our third main objective is for our researchers to carry out various studies on specific elements of the Belt and Road Initiative. We have research capabilities covering a whole range of different areas. And what are the areas of opportunity and the key challenges to how the two countries can cooperate? Under the Belt and Road, relations between China and Russia are at an unprecedented level in history. The two countries have reached a high level of agreement in key political issues. President Xi Jinping and President Putin have met on many occasions over the last year and developed several mechanisms for better communication between the two countries. But it's not just heads of state. At a local government level and at lower levels of bureaucracy, 
you're also seeing meetings between Russians and their Chinese counterparts. Other examples include tourism. There are many Chinese tourists who go to Russia and vice versa. And this is emblematic of the people-to-people exchange going on between China and Russia. And it's not just in tourism either. You have a huge amount of cooperation in areas like energy and agriculture under the Belt and Road Initiative. China and Russia are doing very well in this regard and have set up a number of mechanisms to facilitate integration between their own regional development plans. China and Russia trade is also doing well and has reached over 80 billion US dollars in 2017. Now the hope is that they can reach 200 billion dollars by 2020. Both countries have put forward very good and aligned developmental goals. A number of joint projects have been proposed and crucially they're also being implemented upon. I think this notion of friendly development between China and Russia is going to continue forward. Earlier this year, we had the 18th summit of the Shanghai Cooperation Organization held in Shandong province, China. Once again, President Xi and President Putin had a very productive meeting. Can the Belt and Road Initiative revitalize China's northeast, Dongbei? The Belt and Road Initiative is highly related to China's northeastern provinces, Heilongjiang, Jilin, and Liaoning. As part of the BRI, there are plans to revitalize those provinces, in particular, through better infrastructure. Under the BRI framework, there is an ambition to connect these three northeastern provinces into the Russian Far East. But also, there is scope to connect into North Korea and South Korea too. Another key development in this regard has been the Heilongjiang Economic Belt. This is a train that starts in Heilongjiang and goes all the way to Hamburg in Germany. There is a desire to make Harbin, the provincial capital of Heilongjiang, a real hub for transport, logistics and trade. The new infrastructure is positioning Harbin well for this. Haven't there been plans before to revitalize China's northeast? Is it different this time? Yes, there have been efforts in the past to try and revitalize China's northeastern provinces, and yes, sometimes they didn't have the most success. However, This time, I firmly believe it is different. It's different because you have more effort being put in this time, and also, the circumstances are different. For example, Russia's desire to cooperate today is much greater than in previous times, and the changes happening on the Korean Peninsula create new opportunities. You have a North Korea that is increasingly opening up to the idea of developing its economy and undergoing structural transformation. I think that presents a big opportunity for China's northeastern provinces. So some of the countries that China's building the Belt and Road Initiative in have historically been in Russia's backyard. Now, do you think as Chinese presence in these countries increases, that might be a cause for tension? I don't believe it's going to cause any tensions, because first of all, China has not engaged in any military agreements with these countries. In Central Asia, for example, China is primarily dealing from the lens of economics alone and is actually advocating peaceful development throughout the entire region. For example, look at Kazakhstan. China and Kazakhstan have now signed multiple tens of billions of dollars of deals, and it's actually helping kickstart the economic potential of the country. I think that these kinds of figures, along with the fact that there is zero Chinese military presence on the ground in these countries, show that the only consideration China is making when trying to foster regional integration is an economic one. And I think our Russian friends are beginning to understand that. Maybe at the beginning, they were a little skeptical about China's plans. 
But now we have been investing in these countries for some time, and we have shown that we are staying true to peaceful development. What's more, the BRI countries that China is investing in overwhelmingly support China and the Belt and Road Initiative. Inward investment into their countries is helping them kickstart their economies. I also think the Belt and Road Initiative brings real, tangible benefits for Russia and Russian enterprises. And how can Russia cooperate exactly and benefit from the Belt and Road Initiative? Well, a lot more goods from China are going to be brought into Europe through Russia by train, so that's going to create jobs in Russia. Belt and Road will also open up new markets for Russian companies that were not accessible before. Russia and China have also jointly set up investment funds to invest in each other's countries. Russian firms can also sell their goods into the Chinese market. For example, their agricultural products. China is very hungry for these kinds of agricultural products, and Russia is a big agricultural producer. There are also many other ways for cooperation. I mentioned tourism earlier. Now, the average Chinese tourist spends around two thousand U.S. dollars when they go on an overseas trip, and there were one million Chinese tourists to Russia last year. At two thousand U.S. dollars per person, that amounts to a very big number in totality. At the same time, the number of foreign students who exchange with Russia is also increasing. Now you have more than thirty thousand Chinese students in Russia and more than twenty thousand Russian students in China. I think this is a fundamental foundation of the future friendship between China and Russia. At the same time, you have huge amounts of cultural exchange between the two countries. You have Chinese ideas of medicine being very popular in Russia. Indeed, you have some Russians coming over to China for their medical treatment nowadays. At the same time, things like the Russian ballet are very popular now in China. So you think the Belt and Road Initiative can kickstart development not only in Dongbei but in the wider Northeast Asia region too? Yes, I do believe that the backdrop this time is different. Two recent events have made me even more positive. Firstly, the Singapore summit between Trump and Kim. This summit really was historic, and we now have a genuine opportunity to make peace on the Korean Peninsula. And when that happens, we will reach a state where trade and development and investment becomes a lot more of an attractive proposition across the region. This is not just beneficial for Dongbei, but for China as a whole, Russia, Japan, and the entire Korean Peninsula. What are the prospects for the Belt and Road Initiative more widely? The second Belt and Road Summit will be held next year because these summits are held every two years. I think there's going to be a lot more to be discussed, and there's going to be a lot of progress to be reported upon. For example, Latin America was earlier this year invited to join the Belt and Road Initiative, and a number of multilateral organizations have provided their support for the Belt and Road Initiative, including the United Nations. The Belt and Road Initiative has the support now of more than 100 countries, and representatives from over 120 countries attended the Belt and Road Initiative summit last year. This shows that the Belt and Road Initiative has received widespread support and a very positive response internationally. However, realizing the Belt and Road Initiative's goals requires people like me, scholars, to continue to do more publicity and promotion work, and to improve the understanding of the Belt and Road Initiative. We need to create the impression that the Belt and Road Initiative is not just China's, but it belongs to the whole world. We've also seen positive signs from the likes of Japan, South Korea, and even France, saying that they're willing to engage with the Belt and Road Initiative. These countries, who historically had concerns with the Belt and Road Initiative, are beginning to think that it actually is an initiative that doesn't come with the concerns that they may have initially anticipated. 
and it could well be an important catalyst for global growth and economic development. And I think this plays to a bigger point about how we think about economic growth models around the world. Now, I think since 2008, there has been a real problem in the Western way of thinking about economic development. Well, more specifically, I'm referring to the United States' leadership of the world economy in the last few years. The United States has lost that leadership qualification. In my opinion, the Western countries are not only seeing a declining share of global GDP, but also their influence in global politics is also declining. The Japanese economy continues to stagnate and has lost its decades, while the European Union is unable to unite in the face of competing pressures. In contrast, China has undergone a miracle by all means of the word. Over the last 40 years, it has taken millions of people out of poverty, and its GDP growth rate has been unprecedented in the history of the world. And that's why I think what China has come to the table with through the Belt and Road Initiative really does represent a new form of cooperation. It represents something that's different from all previous ways of thinking. It's based on a philosophy from the East, and it seeks to find common ground between countries while putting aside differences. And that's why I'm positive about the Belt and Road Initiative. It is inclusive and enables all to participate. Well, that was a very interesting interview. Thank you very much for coming on the show, Dr. Xu Wenhong. Really appreciate it. Voices of the Belt and Road podcast. If you want to learn more about the Belt and Road Initiative, check out our website at beltandroad.ventures. That's Belt and Road, one word, no spaces, and dot ventures, B E N T U R E S. On the website, you can subscribe to our weekly Belt and Road Bulletin and also follow our Belt and Road Advisory social media accounts on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That way, you'll always be up to date on what is happening on the Belt and Road. Thanks for tuning in and see you next week. <laughs>